The beggar stumbles from the tavern into the sweltering night. Another bottle flies after him, catching him in the small of the back, a parting gift from the jeering faces inside. He doesn't feel the pain, drunk as he is, but still he slurs a curse in his native tongue and staggers into the jungled streets of Baran. Invisible to the merchants, closing their stalls for the nights. Invisible to the guards, but for the wrinkle of noses, as his poverty assaults their senses. Invisible to the priests and chanters, demanding alms and promising eternal salvation to passers-by. The harbor of Baran creaks and groans with labor even as night settles over the stinking river. Arms sails to Fruiz, spice shipments from Mendebarn, board guards collecting taxes and bribes in equal measure. The beggar wanders past all of them, clutching his stomach. The pain that washes over him now will not be drowned in drink. How long has he survived on rotting scraps and leftover tavern swill? How long since he saw the land of his birth? Poverty has erased his history and rewritten it in his ruined face. He crouches to dry heave, too close to a carpet stand, too weak to dodge the boot aimed at his ribs. He staggers hacking into the alleyway and falls. And now it's hours later. He's awake again. The moon hides behind the smog. His rotting shoes have been stolen off his feet. The scent of citrus fills his nostrils. A beautiful, pristine orange sits in his hand. Softer, more lovely and ripe than any smuggler's cargo. He sneers defiance. He mutters in his foreigner's tongue and tries to hurl the fruit away, but can only let it fall from nerveless fingers. Again, the scent of citrus, another orange in his hand. His stomach is racked with pain, his body craves the orange, his sandpaper tongue wets at the thought of biting into its flesh, and he lets it fall again, scorn dripping from his eyes in hot, salty rivulets. The scent of citrus again, and his mouth is now full of orange, shoving down his throat, juice like holy water, delicious salvation, and he spits it all out, quivering with rage and contempt. He is dying now. His mouth is set in a regal line. The rejected oranges litter around him like funeral garlands. The last king of Usar does not live to see the sunrise. Shit, dude. Cool, cool, cool. Let's go. Let's fucking rock and roll. (laughs) Get in the business. Yora, you've been weighed. You've been measured. A slaver's assistant tried to check your teeth and was sent away howling, two severed fingers pressing into a filthy rag. 
Your manacled hands were inspected professionally, impersonally, and approved. A bag whipped over your head and removed as violently. Scenes of cargo docks, a riverboat's hold flitting in and out of your view. Unknown languages jabbering and calling. The sounds of bargaining, wheedling, demanding, selling. The universal speech of commerce. And then finally, a kind of freedom. A pit in an old warehouse, dug into sopping ooze that smells of blood and brackish foam. Sharpened stakes ringed around the top, countless faces above of all complexions, hooting voices in all tongues, money changing hands again and again, bets being placed, a rusted weapon in your hand, an iron ball chained to your leg. Figures to your left and right, similarly bound, shifting nervously, a foot of filthy water up to your calves. And finally, an inhuman bellow from above, a guttural, bassy scream, a cage's wall chopped with axes, and a massive gray shape plunges into the foam with javelins sticking from its flanks. Its blood and stink mixes into the slime of the pit. Madden's scarlet eyes roll at you, cracked, yellowed teeth sawn into points. The hippopotamus gets to its feet, the pit slime sloshing with every movement. It bugles its pain and fury to the heavens, a thundering rebuke to a world of cruelty. It lowers its head, and it charges. Roll for initiative, Yora. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Uh, how do you spell Yora? J-O-R-A. I figured we'd do something a little different with the intros this time. Dude, fucking that's cool as hell. I fucking love it. Place yourself within this pit. But hell yes. Give me that roll for initiative, my dude. Um, That's a 20. Hooey! Yeah, I got Seventeen plus three, baby. Oh shit, you got a plus three in your decks? Oh, you rolled well. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> I, can, I don't know. I mean, unless it was just like a really fucking angry camel, I don't know that I could think of a better starting pit fight. Yeah, fine. Yeah, let's go. It just it just feels right. Yora. You are standing down along with these four shaking other slaves thrown into this pit. And they are also slaves. They are also slaves. Okay, they are in their stinking garb. Uh, they also have chains around their legs. Uh, you can tell that this is going to hinder your, your movement somewhat, as is the foot of filthy water that you guys are standing in. Uh, the hippo gets to its feet with that guttural roar. You can see your quote-unquote compatriots blanch and, and hesitate at the at the sound. What do you look like, Yora? Andrew's, Andrew's geeking out right now. Uh, Yora is uh, a human female. Fuck off, Jonah. Damn. It was all a ploy. Ba-da-ba! Hey, everyone, I've been telling Jonah I was going to play something different this whole time, and now I switched it on him. Boom! Andrew doesn't like people knowing what he's going to do before the session starts. No, I just kind of thought it would be fun. <laughs> But yeah, too. She is a human uh, female that stands right around eight feet tall. Uh, she is a fucking brick shit house. <laughs> a shit brick house. She is. She is built to last long. She's Tonka tough, and she is like her body is all scarred the fuck to hell. Uh, she has uh, black hair, like raven black hair, that's shaved on one side. And hangs long on the other, and uh, think Natalie Dormer hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. If if we're in a, a fighting pit, then she has uh, 
some form of grime or black paint in a straight bar across both her eyes. And you face down as this massive- The tawny skin. Tawny. Hither come Yora. Hither comes Yora, the tawny skinned. She. Brick shit house. The shit brick house. Slayer of hippos. Uh, and you get to go first as this hippo uh, roars in defiance, having just had a very unceremonious plop being pushed from its cage above. It's already like full of javelins, though, right? It has been maddened with javelins. Okay, cool. Okay, okay. We're 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 bullfighting. Have the people like? Is this a setup? Like a, this is a customary thing where it's like here's here's a couple people versus a monster, or is it like? We was fighting each other, and then Monster is now introduced to the situation. You were not fighting these other people beforehand. Okay, cool. So this is like this is the start of it, like of battle. The last slave pit that you played in. Yeah, played in. <laughs> played in. There was there was the fixed amount of food as a reward, and if you had less people w- surviving with you, then you had less to share with. Cool. Can I make like a, 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 a preemptive insight check to see if this is that same like this is the same sort of setup or absolutely frown upon? Yeah, just the the instant before battle. Seventeen. Yeah, I, I think you uh, uh, hear people up uh, above uh, also shouting in these these broken dialects. That you you catch words, but they're not like your native speech. You are far from your native land, and you uh, hear bets being taken on, which one will survive, who is likely to go down first, that sort of thing, whether or not somebody will turn on their compatriots, uh, and, and and either before or after the hippo is dead. Do, you said I have a rusty weapon or I don't have weapons? Whatever it is that you have, it's a rusty, shitty version of it. Do you know, I have nothing? Yes. Fuck the, yeah. Everybody else has like a, a variation of <laughs> shitty bucklers and and you know one or Nothing. two crappy broadswords, hands and scars, love and it, muscles. What do you do, Yora? Ooh. So wait, I'm waist deep in this water because we said we were going to calf deep. Yeah, I'm calf I'm calf deep in this water and my leg is chained to this like it's, it's a like ball a ball, literal ball and chain. Literal ball and chain. Cool. I'd like to use my bonus action to go into a rage. <laughs> I would like to rage. <laughs> Y'all, I've wanted to play a Barbarian for a really long time. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, so uh, I'm going to rage. And then uh, can I try and make an athletics check to uh, break the the chain ball off my leg and use it as a mace? A oh, like, oh, like a flail? Like a flail. Oh, my God. A curiosity. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> a 27. Oh my god. So in my mind, I was like, it's gonna need to be a 30 to break iron, uh, but I think you easily heft it on your shoulder okay, and like start swinging chain. it around. I, I would really be pushing like the bounds of real if to snap the iron, but you ease it, it is it and I think gasps arise from above as you heft it on your shoulder <laughs> and then start slowly swinging it around. You essentially have a mace right now or a flail. Okay, cool. It's cool, terrifying. Cool. Oh um, my god. I'm gonna move over next to this lady. One of one the, of the other the combatants. slaves. Yeah. Um, let's see a little bravery check real quick. Okay, I, I think these two actually begin to come in around these pillars that are holding up parts of this uh, this slave pit, manufactured slave pit within a warehouse, and they are between them trying to flank the hippopotamus. 
Uh, okay, that one does hit. So one of them uh, tries to jab a, uh, a rusted scimitar, and it just completely snaps off in his hands in, against the leathery uh, left leg of this hippopotamus. And the other one actually manages to bring uh, the rusted halberd down and gash down the side of this hippopotamus. Wow, that's actually more than I thought. A long, shallow gash opens up in the side of the hippopotamus. I gotta say it actually right. A long, shallow gash opens up in the side of the hippopotamus, and uh, that's a really good vocal warm up. The hippopotamus. No, a long, shallow gash opens up in the side of the hippopotamus. <laughs> a long, shallow gash opens up in the side of the hippopotamus. It's a great vocal warm up. That's why we went to school, folks. That's acting, baby. That is what acting that's... is. It and, turns out. And that's how I got into Juilliard. Uh, uh, and these two also make their sort of courage check, and I think they ho- this one uh, steps forward, also uh, encumbered um, by its ball and chain, and holds an action, uh, as does that one next to the pillars. Exactly thus. Thank you. Uh, and next in the order is the hippopotamus. The hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. My lyrics are bottomless. And... Mm-hmm. Hippopotamus, flow that glows like phosphorus. The hippopotamus is, is going to turn its massive head with those sawn, cracked yellow teeth and bite this slave in twain. <laughs> That's what you get for rolling a one. One chomp. And it is the entrails and the blood and Lights shit out. mix into the water. Uh, and the hippopotamus uh, lets out a roar through this corpse, uh, just absolutely gurgling uh, as half of it falls to the ground. And it is back to Yora. Oh, shoot. Well, that's one rage burnt. <laughs> Did you already? Well, because, because nobody I didn't attacked. Attack, oh. Nobody attacked me. It's okay. It's me It's me learning again how to play a you just went, for <laughs> like, oh. Oh. <laughs> So uh, I'm gonna bonus action rage again. Good plan. Good plan. I like it. Yay! I'm gonna just plow through. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I have 40 feet total of movement. So now you have 20. So I have 20. So I can get right up in. Right up with my boy. Mm -hmm. Uh, This thing doesn't have reach that I'm wielding, right? Because it's attached to my leg. I don't think so. So yeah, I'm gonna. uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna reckless attack. Oh my god. Reckless. I'm gonna reckless attack. That's a natural 20. Oh, my God. (sighs) Oh, man. This is everything I wanted in life. Go ahead and do your bad boy thing. What is best in life? Cutting hippopotamuses open. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh. (laughs) When you roll a one on a natural 20, it's okay. So that's seven. No, that's nine damage because of rage. Uh, Nine. So total is nine. Total is nine. All right. And then second attack. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a 19 plus. That is going to hit. 27. So, ah, there it is. It's 19. Oh, my God. Total? Yeah. What, what, total, like, both damages, or that was a 19? That was a 19. Damage. It was a 12 plus 5 plus 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, I shouldn't be rolling a 12, though. Why? I think it's Because it's not a great axe. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Uh, I mean, uh, it, you look. You we'll have picked it as up a great axe in, in this exact cool ass cool. moment because you have picked up the ball and chain around you and slammed it down. Um, the, it, it doesn't die, but 
tell me cinematically what happens here. You you smash it really good the first time, and those mean eyes, you know, still looking through like the 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 boy he has just chomped. This hippopotamus turns that massive head towards you, and you do it again. Give me the I, cinematic. I think it's I think it's a running in with that first one, and it's a horizontal right, mm. so it just like glances the head and causes it to shift over. Yeah. But as it's coming back, we come down with a vertical one, like square in the spine. And that one does intense damage. The blood is now spurting from this thing's jaws. You, you get the feeling that you've broken bone, that something is crunched. Uh, and it uh, lets out, again, that guttural scream of, of just animalistic rage. And uh, emboldened by this, I think the three compatriots that are still alive uh, are going to try to attack it as well. So the one that broke the rusty scimitar off against the the leathery uh, leg of this hippopotamus scrambles backwards, uh, dragging that that ball and chain with them. Uh, actually, I think provoking an attack of opportunity, if I'm not mistaken. And actually, uh, nothing happens as the hippopotamus, I think, uh, thi- uh, lunges for, but is is perhaps concussed slightly by uh, the severity, the 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 ferocity of your blows. But uh, the other two that still do have their weapons, these sort of, um, uh, these shaking, um, malnutri- malnourished, uh, uh, clad in rags, uh, pit slaves, uh, bring uh, rusty, sharp pieces of metal, daggers, swords, down on this hippopotamus for uh, some amount of, uh, actually gets to stick in uh, the shoulder meat of this hippopotamus, uh, which is just continuing to bugle. Make a strength saving throw. It's 20. Okay, so the hippopotamus lowers its head and charges at you, not biting, not uh, trying to club or, or chew, but just trying to ch- trample. Dig and deep. how do you dig deep? How do you? Oh, oh, oh Joe, we're, we're cinematicking something. Ready? We are. You ready for this fight, Corey? Hey, everybody, I do fight choreography in real life. Um, Shit's about to get nasty. Um, so if it if it's lowering its head, like you said, and charging me, right? When I see it coming, I just want to like drop the ball and pull the chain across and wrap the chain around its neck as it like goes through and just like ground down on it. Oh my god, are you right? on its back? No, 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 no. I'm in front of it. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. just setting up something on this next. Thing. <laughs> oh my god! But it it, it pushes you. a a maximum of five to 10 feet as you keep your feet uh, sliding backwards in the mud and the blood and the beer. Hi, Joe Cash. Uh, (laughs) My boy. What a guy. It it tries to bite at you, but you have it sort of restrained almost for the split second with this chain, and it is your turn. Cool. Is the chain under its chin or is it in its jaw? I think it's in its mouth. It's bleeding mouth. Yes. Give me everything I wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. So, uh, because I took Tavern Brawler, <laughs> I'm going to forego using Ball and Chain Weapon mm-hmm. and uh, just make an unarmed attack, uh-huh. right? So I'm going to make an unarmed attack. Against the hippopotamus. Reckless. Yeah. A 26 to hit. That's going to hit. One plus seven, eight points of damage. I cannot fucking believe. As I'm just like closing the, like, pulling the chains taut. <laughs> I truly expected the hippopotamus to last longer than two rounds. Kill the hippopotamus for me. <laughs> I killed the hippopotamus? Kill the hippopotamus oh! for me. <laughs> but let's kill it. I, I don't know how you did it, dude, but you did 19 damage. <laughs> let's go. Let's barbarian. Uh, cool. Then what I'm gonna do is, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... Oh, man, this is fucking awesome. 
Uh, I'm gonna let it like restrain it and drive its head into like the the deep in the water, right? So its head's kind of like half in, half out, right? I'm gonna put my foot on the back of his neck and just pull up with the chain until the top of its head pops off its lower jaw, and just like rip its head through with the chain. And, and scream while I do it. It just continue. It, it the 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 roar of the hippo turns into gurgles, turns into just just wimp whimpers. And the I, whole I, time, <sighs> I want to be staring at the person standing next to me. You are just dead in the eyes. The little slave that's next to me, like this is a dominance thing. I'm just like staring them down as I rip this thing's head open. I am literally. I could not possibly imagine a world where this would require a roll. You have intimidated <laughs> this other human being. The hippo gasps its last breaths, giant, maimed, and beautiful. Murdered, not in spite of its beauty, its gigantic soul, it's, true. She feels bad. its sublime power, but murdered for exactly those reasons. Later, as you are held at spear point, bound again and hooded, you hear your new master chuckling to his cohort, you do not yet know this language well, but you can make out bits and pieces as we leave the arena for the night. She is profitable. She was a good investment. With some luck, she might last the year. And the years go by. Oh, yes. How the fuck did you kill a hippo in She's two rounds? A queen. I knew she would be a queen. My Holy God. Shit. I knew forever that she would be a queen. I could feel this character. I could feel her, and I knew what she was. Amazing. She's my girl. McGowan, the stone sits on your work table. Despite sitting in the sun for the better part of an hour, it is cool to the touch. The letter sits next to it. The message boy had made no announcements, brooked no argument. The purple sash on his shining chainmail, naming him a member of Prince Usman's militia, placed him above such things as appointments or politeness. Go ahead and read that. Dastardly prop. Uh, how do you spell Usman? That use. You'll see if you open the. Okay. That real prop that Joe made. Yeah, that good, good, that good DM life. Holy shit! I've got a real prop, and we're just starting this game. Let's go. What do you look like as you unfurl the scroll for probably the third or fourth time? So McGowan is a old dwarf. He has got. Not really well-kept, uh, sort of scraggly white hair, long on the top of his head, a long white beard with these small braids. Not like a big dwarf braid like you might think of sometimes, but there, there are small braids throughout this long beard. It's a little singed on the ends, and he is thick, he's sturdy, he's about four foot eight and wide. He's just got muscles that... Uh, you can tell he used to be a fighter back in the day, but now no more. He just works as a blacksmith and is a very good blacksmith. Uh, he's covered in, in soot and ash, and he has his apron and his tools, uh, and he unfurls the letter. Like a brick urinal? <laughs> like a brick urinal. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> but the ones that are closer to the ground. Yeah. No, definitely one that's closer to the ground. It's like brick me. urinal, brick shit house. Right. We're, we're, yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. A brick shit house and a brick urinal. Brick, walk into a bar. Brick sauna. And kill everyone. everyone. <laughs> All right. His amber eyes look down at the letter. By order of Bishop Prince of Berenue, protector of the realm, and in recognition of thy previous service, Thou art hereby commissioned to produce a weapon of the highest craftsmanship in commemoration of the Protector's common campaign against the Witches of the Coast. 
The weapon is to be crafted to specifications enclosed and from the meteoric ore provided. It is say the weapon of meteoric iron is an anathema to the very soul of witchery. Produce such a blade, and the Lord Protector shall look well upon thee. <sighs> and he just looks at the meteor. I don't think your apprentice is here for whatever reason. They might have been sent out for some, you know, iron slag or something, whatever it is you, you might need them to do. But mm -hmm. you are alone in your uh, small but well-stocked and well-kept uh, blacksmithy in the center of Baron Ue. Mm. Have I had time? You said that it had been sitting in the sun for about an hour. Have I had time to really do any more... Uh, messing around with it, testing it, and whatever, whatever nature or or science or whatever it is that you can think of. Yeah, I think that I would, I would definitely like to try to use my dwarven stone cunning to see if I can recall any information about meteoric ore, any any other history of weapons of this sort and things like that. Absolutely, I think that completely applies to to what you have in front Heck of you. Yeah. So I essentially will have expertise on cool. this check. Nice. To, I, to recall information about yeah. your iron. Yeah, about any you know, stone working types of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's a 18 total. Uh, I think you you know it is one of the the, the rarest and most uh, sort of coveted mm -hmm. materials to build things out of. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily always make a sword out of it. It would also make a, a, a useful anti-magic uh, armor of sorts, but it does have to, uh, a reputation for being well used against arcane forces. Mm. It is somehow uh, inured or ice, uh, like isolated somehow from uh, forces that would tear or rend or, or otherwise mess with normal iron. It is also not magnetic. It does not point to magnetic north as iron will if you charge it and put in a thing of water. Hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. All right, I think knowing all of that, I want to carefully proceed with trying to smith this. Great. Give me just a blacksmithing check. Is, is this your house? Is this your house? Yes. You own property? I think uh, so. You you are a respected blacksmith. Oh yes. You, you are not from this city, but you have uh, at, at least for whatever business reasons been very happily employed, as the letter mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, producing arms for the temple guard. Yes. Uh, yeah. McGowan is renowned for his arms and armor. He is a former adventurer. He's over three hundred years old. He is an old dwarf. Oof. So he's been, yeah, I can. he had his younger days as an adventurer and has now settled into blacksmithing. I would like to, if I'm making a blacksmithing check to work on producing this long sword, I think that I will go about my business in the usual manner. Mm -hmm. And then if I am presented with a challenge, that's sort of my... Your cue to, yeah. to check to make sure nobody's watching. Yeah. Because why? Because magic is highly frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the letter even mentioned that there is going to be a new campaign against the quote-unquote witches of the coast. Yes. And that uh, McGowan has been around certainly long enough to see uh, this part of the world become more and more militarized against the idea of magic users, against sorcery and, and wizards and mages and witches and anything that they could uh, point at and call demon worship, devil worship, and promptly crucify those people. Yes. So it is good to know that your apprentice is not in the room. Yes. I do not wish to contemplate this on the tree of woe. No. Contemplate this on the tree of woe. Go ahead and roll that blacksmithing check. You know what it is, boy? Flesh is stronger than steel. 
So I believe it's your proficiency if you have proficiency cool. with blacksmith's tools. Yes, and plus, I do. I believe strength. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. That will be a 24. 24. Yep. McGowan, you are a master blacksmither. It is it is not an overstatement to say that. And it is not solely through your magical means that you are a master blacksmither. Mm. You have the skill and more importantly, the years and years of experience mm. to know how to work iron and know how to work steel and how to forge this and forge that and forge tools versus weapons. What is the purpose of this thing that I am making? Mm. And from the get-go, you have the feeling that this thing is going to be stubborn. You crank the furnace as highly as possible in the basement, shoveling coal yourself without your apprentice here. You let it sit, you, you do all of the chemical things that might work the most stubborn pieces of iron. It is still cool to the touch, and you can even feel it as you place it down back on the stone floor. You put your hand near it and can feel no heat from it. Mm. This is resisting the, the physical blacksmithing. Mm. Uh, you're as stubborn as I thought you'd be. And then I will attempt to use mold earth to break it. Trying to get to the innards and see if once I once I have some sort of way in, mm -hmm. if I can then coax it, coax it from there. Yes, I think that I pick up the stone and try to tear it with my hands. And the magical energy flows from you, from your blood, and into the stone. And there is an instant flash of red, and then the sense of extreme building heat in the stone. What do you do? Hmm. Sense of extreme building heat in the stone. Extreme building heat. I think that if there's extreme building heat, I'm going to try to work with it. If it's fi if, it if it's finally heating up, I want to I want to I want to get it moving. I think that he is not going to do any more magic right now thinking about the meteor versus magic mm -hmm. aspect, but this was just a little something to see if he could get it going. Mm -hmm. uh, so going back to physical now that it has responded. Where do you put it? Like what do you do? I put it on the anvil and I go to and I go to try to start working. You it. place it on the anvil and as soon as it leaves your hands it spikes in heat even more. It is hotter than the hottest metal that you've uh, worked and yet it is retaining its shape. It is beginning to glow as though it had been sitting in the furnace for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. It is becoming very quickly a dangerous, dangerous heat. Make a dexterity saving throw. <laughs> I'm not good at those. You might be. Oh, a 17? With a minus one, a 17. Heck yeah. Your misapprehension of, of not using further magic on this thing was exactly right. And furthermore, when you place it on the anvil and this heat goes even more critical, you have the instinct to throw yourself backwards. And it's a good thing you do. A nova of heat blasts around the room, igniting papers, wall hangings, the ends of your eyebrows. A fire bursts into life at your work table where there are multiple blueprints and drawings of things that you need to design. A fire bursts near the front door as the broom and its uh, pan begin to catch fire. And then the shrieking starts. The stone utters a piercing shriek, cycling metallically from low to high pitch, rattling the glass in its foundations and shaking the fire pokers. A rack of unsharpened swords clangs to the ground as this shriek of noise uh, begins to reverberate around the room. You take six fire damage. The ring of metal is inaudible as the swords clang to the ground beneath this shrieking stone. What do you do as the fire begins to catch and embers begin to swirl around near your work table on the front door? You said that there's still 
a bunch of heat coming off of this in addition to the shrieking. Yeah, so there was this nova of flame that went outwards from it. It is itself still hot, but the flame has started flame uh, fires elsewhere around the room in addition to the shrieking. Mm. I want to try to nullify that. So the floor of my smithy, am I on the ground floor right now? Yes, that is the basement below. Great. So the floor is earthen then. Yes. So then before I deal with the other stuff around, I want to try to nullify whatever's happening with this meteor. So I want to use my mold earth again to pick up loose earth from the floor around and try to douse that meteor with that just regular earth. I, I'm, I'm hoping that that will do something. I know it's a magical effect, but the earth itself is not, so right. we'll see. So the, that's my that's what I'm going to try to do first. Yeah, the magic is not on the stone. It is on the earth that is trying to do something to the stone. Correct. That sounds to me weirdly like a blacksmithing check. Hell yeah. Like you know that there's something hot, you need to douse it. Yeah. 14? So I believe you said before, like, it comes from your hands. Do you, like, shove your hands into the earthen floor and it just sort of erupts like a geyser yeah. trying to cover? Yeah, the hands plunge to the earth and it rumbles for a second and the area around the anvil sort of comes up and tries to envelop it like a dome. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Oh, it's very tough, very sort of dirt bender kind yeah. of thing. Stone yeah. sorcerer, baby. Uh, and I, I think as it does, Boomy. the sword falls. <laughs> what? Boomy. Boomy. I thought he said Kobe. No, oh, no, <laughs> definitely not. You instinctually know that dirt or, or anything like sand, water, perhaps, though that might cause an explosion. Right. You, you not, go, not, not water. You go to dirt. Yes. And you uh, uh, it, it shove your hands into the earth, and this, this dome, as you, as you envision, uh, leaps out over it and begins to fall down onto it. And you can still see a glow within as the dirt begins to pack and pack and pack and try to smother whatever this heat source is. The shrieking only intensifies even as the dirt begins to muffle it, flashing yellow, green, red, and blue through the, 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 the showers of dirt that you are putting over it. And then blissfully, suddenly, it is silent. And the heat from the center of the room cuts out. And the silence is instantly broken by the shouts outside. The sounds of drawn swords. The door to your smithy begins to splinter inwards. Through the gap in the door, you can see grim faces, purple sashes, and the face of your apprentice. Bare metal glints in the afternoon sun. The indiscriminate roar of the guards outside. Witchcraft! It was the stone! I tried to work the stone! Hello friends, Jonah here to say thank you for listening to the first episode of Bound, our latest adventure inspired by the world of Conan the Barbarian. We've already recorded the first full arc of this series and we are thrilled with the direction the story and characters are going and where we're going to get to take it as we go forward. If you're a fan of the Quest Company, please do us a favor and go to our page on the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It's a huge help to us and we read every review that comes in. We know a lot of you have been listening for a long time and have given us all sorts of great feedback already, but if you're joining us for the first time with Bound or our other new series, Villagers, we would love to know that's what brought you here and get your feedback. Those reviews and five-star ratings go a long way in helping more people discover our podcast. 
And if you really love what we do here at The Quest Company and you want to take the next step in supporting us, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. For as little as $2 a month, you can help us with necessary expenses, help us continue to improve the quality of the show, and get access to exclusive content and other cool patron rewards. Huge thank you to the show's newest patrons, Martin and Mikey. We are so thankful for all of our patrons. Your generosity means the world to us. And if you want to give us that support, you could do so at patreon.com slash questcompanypodcast. We also have a link to the Patreon on our website, questcompanypodcast.com. If you'd like to contact us, you could do so directly through the Connect page on our website or by finding us on Twitter, Instagram, etc. at The Quest Company. You can also come hang out with us in our Discord. If you need links to any of those things, go check out our website. It's all there. I mentioned it a little bit already, but if you look at our feed, you'll see that we are alternating releases of Bound with Villagers, our Animal Crossing-inspired side quest. So if you want to give yourself whiplash after listening to all this medieval bloodshed, you can come hang out with Chad the Bear and Pat the Monkey in the quaint village of South Bend, Indiana. I am the GM of that particular series, and I am simultaneously excited and very frightened by what we have created. I'd like to thank Joe Lytus for running the game and editing this episode, along with the artist whose music is featured in it. Thank you to Roscall for the songs I Kill With My Heart and I Don't Remember. Thank you to Akash Gandhi for the song Eyes of Glory. Thanks to Blue Dot Sessions for the song McCarthy. Thanks to A Foggy Realm for Steel Lave. Thanks to Cryosyncope for Blood Sorcery and Thorns of the Dawn. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for Impact Intermezzo. Thank you to Kai Engel for the song So Poor. And thank you to TabletopAudio.com for providing the ambient sounds. Additional sound design by Snake Barney. That's all for me, so let's get back to the action and see what adventure awaits our heroes next. Thank you for joining us here at the Quest Company. Yora, I describe the person. You tell me how you kill them. Fuck yes, let's go. (laughs) Six months after you were purchased. A Nosian, proud and tall, hurling spears as tall as he is. Decapitation. Twins, accents from Ania to the east, slings and poniards at their waists. I make one twin stab the other twin and then snap the other one's neck. A woman from Intiberia who does not fight who lays her sword at her feet, who calls to the gods of her childhood to take her home. I oblige her. Fuck, dude. (laughs) Finally, a child. A cowering street rat, probably an orphan. A cruel joke from the master of the arena who was drunk and laughing in the stands above. I do nothing. Later in your cell, You are not fed. You did not perform. No fights tomorrow. No food tomorrow either. You awake in the middle of the night to the slightest sound of wind. In the center of your cell, beautiful, pristine, illuminated by moonlight, a perfect, delicious-looking orange. Oh. Can I make a perception check? So seven. (laughs) 
you are still heavy with sleep, yeah. somewhat drowsy, and surprised by this thing. It, it looks too beautiful to be here, to be in your life, too perfect. And there it sits. I go to pick it up. What wilt thou do when thou art free? Says the figure on the other side of the bars. Shit. I thought the orange was talking to me. And I was like, oh shit, what the oh. fuck's happening? Ah, oh, it's, ah, oh, there was Veggie Tales the whole time. What do you do as you hear this voice behind you? I, I look up at it. Was there a person in that cell that I knew of? Or is this like new information? New information. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. I, uh, like, I ready myself at this, like, feral animal, just preparing myself. I will not show you all of this character block, but I will show you that. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Could you describe the figure? Yeah, cool, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a cloak. It's a shadowy cloak, man. Person. <laughs> Person, correct. Yes. Sha shadowy cloak figure. A cloaked figure stands at the Death. bars of your cell. Eyes, hands, all features obscured by thick, dark robes with dizzying spirals and dark blue thread. What wilt thou do when thou art free? I understand his language. I, I think the voice is unidentifiable by gender or even language. Well, I just or, meant like, yeah. I understand the, the context of what it is saying. It, it sounds somewhat stilted, but yes. Freedom is not for me. I should not like that. Freedom... Is it not for all things? I have never known it. Should you like to? This figure, with no movement of walking, no movement of stepping, <laughs> cool. passes through the iron bars of your cell and into the room with you. I'm not super excited about that. <laughs> Should you like that? It is an effort to be free. I'm just gonna remain silent and stare at him, and just in a defensive posture. What is thy name? I am Yora. What are you? I am a servant. I wish to employ thee. It shall not impinge upon thy freedom. This I swear. Then free me. Follow me. And they pass through the bars. Are they just like standing outside the bars? Waiting. I'm gonna rage and try and pull the door. Move the door. Do it. Do it. Hold the door. Athletics check is a 20. You grab hold of these iron bars and they refuse to bend, but you are able to barely pull them out of their sockets at the top and bottom of this constructed cell. And they are beginning to shift at the top and the bottom. Requirest thou my assistance? I'm raging, so I'm just going to try and go Do again. It. <laughs> Absolutely. It's 20 again. You bend from the bottom, the, the shitty pig iron, up from the bottom, almost bending it as one would a chain link fence. Nice. It just sweating and grunting with I'm exertion. I'm squatting like a motherfucker. You are right fucking now. deadlifting this shit. <laughs> Quads <laughs> for, for days. days. Uh, until you have bent a two foot uh, uh, aperture that one could crawl through. What wilt thou do? Now, thou art free. Where's the guy that owns the place? I immediately make my way that way. Can I break one of these iron bars off the door? I, I, Is that a plausible With your thing? 20, I think, yes. With the two 20s? With, with, with your 20s? If I've wiggled it free enough? Absolutely. I think you pull one of the spokes 
directly out of the grate. Cool. I'm just going to start making my way down the hall with Floaty Cloak Boy behind me, I guess. Oh, thou wilt do violence when thou art free. <laughs> Keep him walking. <laughs> and you walk down the long hallway, strangely silent in the slave pits. You are the only regular. Nobody else has lasted this long. Oh, that's that's a fucking scene. Oh my god. Sorry. You pass the storage compartments where they keep bucklers and rusted broadswords and rotting moth-bitten leather armor and you pass through down the hallway near the staircase and the manager's office. Wait, did I see the kid? He's asleep in one of the cells, the closest cell to the uh, warehouse. I have one goal right now. Yeah. But that kid's another goal. <laughs> and you walk down the hallway to the manager's office. There is a door rotting and like everything else in this place. The the wet of being underground in Baran, the river Uwe has made its way and, and populated and colonized this entire space. The arena has to be dredged every night. They usually make the survivors do it. Uh, cool. I want to just go in his office. You push open the door. Yeah. Are you concealing your noises at all? No. How are you, are you like, or is it just normal? Oh, I'm just like normally opening a door, but I am seething. Normally opening a door does not awake the, the heaving mass of stinking blankets, the, the covered in various empty glass bottles of all different sizes, the snore of the manager in the bed down at the end of this room. Cool. Lush carpets completely soaked through with damp. With damp. Damp. <laughs> damp. It's damp in here. Oh, gotta be damp. Well, now I gotta leave that in. <laughs> this I'm carpet's... cultivating a mood. I love it, though. No. This carpet's <laughs> damp. damp. Don't worry. Uh, lush carpets soaked through and at one point were worth hundreds and hundreds of gold. Now completely ruined in this, this place as all things are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cloak is completely silent following exactly two feet behind you. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna assume I'm hallucinating at this point because I'm a barbarian. Is this dude, dude, manager man is asleep? I think he's like passed out drunk. Can I make a perception check to see if there's keys in the room? Absolutely. It'd be investigation. Well, nope. That's a, that's a, that's a two. I think you are still in your blood rage. Not carefully, but casually walking yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see them. It's to tread the jeweled on. thrones of the earth beneath thy sandaled feet. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Then I'm going to make my way to the bed. Dude's in there alone. Yes. He didn't have company. No. I'm going to grab him by his neck and drag him out of the room. He instantly awakes and through uh, small gurgles through through that massive palm of yours yeah. uh, is is slurring his way out of a deep, deep drunken sleep. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I'm just dragging him out of the room, down the hall, and I'm a throw him in the pit. You do, and he sputters uh, as he is up to his face in this just yeah. god-awful morass, this slime, yeah, yeah, yeah. this pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna also jump down in the pit, grab the back of his head, and like lift him off his feet to like look me in the eyes. And now he's gurgling and spitting out the filth that he that went up his nose and his mouth yeah, yeah, and his yeah. eyes. Do I see recognition? Does he see me? At last, yes. Yeah. We make, like, soul-crushing eye contact for a second, and then I'm going to jam his whole body and his head as hard as I fucking can into the water and hold him there till he stops writhing. 
And all the while, your silent observer now gliding behind you. Thou wert not free. I should not like that. Wilt thou be in my employ? Now that your business is concluded. The cloak is really freaking me out. Not just Andrew, Yora. It's freaking me out a uh -huh. little bit. But I have one thing I want to do first. I'm going to jump out the pit. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go bend the fucking wall off that little boy's door. Just, we don't yeah. need to roll for it. You're good. However long it takes, whatever levering, whatever crowbar you find, in, in the, and he watches you silently as with this met metallic groaning, you peel back the iron that kept him in, and he's just huddling, hands over his knees, rags on the floor. You're a free boy. Continues to sit there as you loom in the aperture that you have opened. Yeah. yeah. Fucking looming in the dark. And then I'm going to turn to Cloak Boy. Point me in the direction, spirit. 